It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. What do the teams you root for, your music playlists, and your podcast feeds all have in common? Spoiler alert, they're a reflection of you, and that's what the State Farm Personal Price Plan has in common, too. It gives you options to help personalize your coverage so that you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you, so you can see more of yourself in everything you love. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state, options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Should the Carolina Panthers look to trade for a number one wide receiver? I'll tell you right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter, at Julian Council, where today I'm back once again to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Either at me or DM me to participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. On Tuesday, OTAs, the third phase of OTAs, real OTAs will start here in Carolina as Bryce Young, the Panthers quarterback, will be starting off as QB2 but also going to get some reps with the ones over the next couple of weeks leading into mandatory minicamp, that little break, and then back for training camp ahead of the 2023 season. So one final mailbag until we get to OTAs next week here in Charlotte. And we'll start off the show with Nick, who asked, do you think Thomas Brown, the Panthers' new OC, turned down other head coach positions in order to take an Eric Bieniemy type role under Frank Reich so he could take this team over after a few years of established play from Bryce Young, Brian Burns, Jeremy, Chin and Ikiakuanu. 
Nick goes on to say, it seems odd that he had opportunity to be a head coach in other money. I'm not sure why you wouldn't take that opportunity. Then Josh McCown, Deuce Staley, move up for up the depth chart of coaching and the additions of Capers and Caldwell along with Wright, give an excellent training ground on how to be a head coach. Obviously, Jero Averro will be gone after a year or two, but it seems like the organization is trying to groom a guy like Brown to be the next in line. A lot there and a lot that I disagree of, uh, with. Well, just looking at the facts... Thomas Brown did not get an opportunity to be a head coach anywhere else in the NFL. No one offered them the head coaching job. No one offered him their head coaching job. He interviewed with the Houston Texans. It was reported from the very beginning that the Texans had two candidates that they were interested in. Jonathan Gannon, the former Eagles defensive coordinator, who's now the Arizona head Cardinals head coach. And then D'Amico Ryans, the former Texans player, who was San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator last season. Those were the two guys for the Houston Texans. No one else was really up for that job, truly having a chance to be the head coach in Houston. If anything, Thomas Brown was down there to get the experience of interviewing for the job, but also to check the box that needs to be checked for an exterior, external candidate for the Rooney Rule. So he was never really that big of a candidate there in Houston, and no other team asked him to interview. He, that's the only place he interviewed. The Panthers interviewed him for the OC job. The Chargers interviewed him for the OC job. The Bucks interviewed him. The Commanders interviewed him. That's four offensive coordinator interviews to one interview for a head coaching job, and that one was in Houston. So he did not turn down the opportunity to be the head coach in Houston because he was never offered the job and never was going to be offered the job. I don't look at this as a situation like in Kansas City with Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. Because you talk about, is he coming here to learn from Reich, then take over? Well, Eric Bieniemy hasn't taken over in Kansas City. He's now the OC in Washington under Ron Rivera, getting to call the plays. There's not going to be any people out there who can say, oh, well, you know, it's actually Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It's Eric Bieniemy working with Sam Howell to where he can prove to the league, which I don't feel like he should have to, that he is indeed a smart play caller and can lead an offense and eventually could be a head coach. I don't look at that as a similar scenario here in Carolina. And the only way it's similar is that Reich is going to call the plays and Brown is going to be there on the sidelines helping coordinate the offense while not being the primary play caller. Frank Reich has already gone on and said, eventually Thomas Brown will be calling the plays. In Kansas City, Andy Reid's calling the plays. But Biedemi has been a large part of the development of the playbook and the game plan. We already know that Thomas Brown has spent a ton of time developing this playbook. And he said the other day that it's 60% Reich, 40% him. Eventually, it will be his offense. And of course, it's always going to have the principles that Frank Reich believes in within that structure of the offense. But in due time, Thomas Brown will get to call the plays. Will he be the head coach here in Carolina down the road? I don't know. Frank Reich's only 61 years old, y'all. Andy Reid, 65, he looks every bit of it. Frank Reich doesn't really look all that old at 61. It seems like he's a guy who looks a little bit younger. Frank Reich's at 61. I don't see him handing over the head coaching duties in the next four or five years. Andy Reid probably doesn't have much longer. Bill Belichick, 71. He's still out there coaching. Pete Carroll, 71. He's still out there coaching. We could look at Frank Reich coaching for another decade here in Carolina if everything goes according to plan. So I do not look at Thomas Brown as someone who's going to sit here and wait for 10 years, then to take over, even wait five or six years. Jordan Rodriguez, when we talked to her, she says Thomas Brown is going to be a head coach eventually in the NFL. Is it going to take five years' time, six years' time, a decade? I don't know. 
But the Panthers have success, especially if he starts calling plays and Bryce Young looks like the number one pick and is able to turn around this franchise. Thomas Brown is going to get an opportunity to be someone's head coach here in the NFL and not have to wait around here in Carolina. So I do appreciate the idea that you have there, but the facts are wrong. He was never offered a job. He did not turn down a job because you cannot turn down a job that's never offered to you. And his real options were being an OC. Again, interviewed here in Carolina, got the job, interviewed with the Chargers, the Bucks, the Commanders. He was going to be an OC this past hiring cycle, not a head coach. And Frank Reich, still a little bit too young for me to look at already who's his successor going to be. Like He hasn't even coached the game, and we're talking about, hey, who's going to take over Frank Reich? Let's... Let's allow him to be successful first because he's got to win games to even have the scenario where someone on the staff can be groomed to be the head coach. If anything, maybe Parks Frazier, who's a lot younger, he's the guy who, if Brown takes over one day, takes leaves to go take a head coaching job that likely ends up being the OC, and he's someone that down the road can end up being the head coach. I would see that more than Thomas Brown, who is probably going to get opportunities over the next couple seasons, again, if everything goes according to plan. Now, Alex has a question. He says, we've seen some high-profile, he said, we've seen, excuse me, some high-profile wide receivers, Devontae Adams and Nuke Hopkins, to name a few, pop up in trade rumors this offseason. If one of these elite wide receivers were to become available, would it be worth paying a steep price, draft compensation, big cap hit, to pair with a rookie Bryce Young? Short-term, it would obviously help, but would that be a wise decision long-term? The situation I'm looking at is T. Higgins in Cincinnati. The Bengals historically a cheap franchise. They're going to have to pay Joe Burrow. They're also probably going to end up paying Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase is one of like five receivers in the league where you pay him. The amount of wide receivers that come out of college year in and year out, unless you have a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or a Stephon Diggs, a Devontae Adams, a Nuke Hopkins in his prime, you're not paying guys. Like DJ Moore, he got paid. It's not like he got paid like top-of-the-line money. He got $20 million a year, which is pretty good, obviously, especially at the wide receiver position. But yeah, you pay DJ Moore if you have no other wide receivers on your roster, which the Panthers didn't have, and it was a no-brainer for Carolina to have him on the roster. But also, you saw the Panthers were willing to part ways with DJ Moore and keep Brian Burns and Derek Brown because they understand that while DJ Moore is a good player, he's not an elite player. So unless you have an elite player, you don't really need to pay them all that kind of money. Now, T. Higgins is not an elite player. He's a very good player like DJ Moore, and he's someone who I believe could be expendable up in Cincinnati, where you have Joe Burrow, you of course have Jamar Chase, who they should invest in, and you got some other contracts that they couldn't keep Von Bell, couldn't keep um, Jesse Bates. Like, they got to make decisions. And I don't know if there's going to be enough money to go around to make T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase happy. Like, Burrow's going to get his money. Are Chase and T. Higgins both going to get their money? I think Chase should and will. I don't know about T. Higgins. And if T. Higgins is available, like we saw things play out the last couple years with a guy like A.J. Brown not getting paid in Tennessee, which, boy, what the hell were they thinking? Going to Philadelphia, if Higgins is available, he's someone who can be a number one. He's not an elite player, but he's a damn good wide receiver and much better than all the guys that are currently on the roster right now here in Carolina. So if that kind of deal is available for a younger player who's going into their first contract, I'm good with that. Like Devontae Adams, I don't see that being a possibility. Um, Nuke Hopkins, it sounds like he's staying in Arizona uh, and he's also an aging player. Like if you can get someone who's young in their prime, like an A.J. Brown, 
then yeah, you do that that trade for sure. Because Carolina don't have a first-round pick next year. They're going to have to be in free agency anyways, trying to bring in one of those players. And maybe Cincinnati holds on for Higgins uh, to Higgins for another year. Maybe it's next season during uh, free agency where the Panthers can maybe do like a sign-and-trade kind of deal and bring him in if that's a possibility. But right now, if it's available, why not? Throw somebody else in there. Throw some picks in there. They don't have a ton of them, but they don't have a pick next year in the first round to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. And I don't think they're going to be able to trade up into the first round and be able to get one of those wide receivers. It's good they kept the 2025 pick, but do you want to trade that away then to move up? I don't know. It's not like they have a ton of compensation, but if there's someone like a Higgins who's young and can be a very good wide receiver, then I go for it. But especially if an elite guy is available, then yeah, absolutely, because there's only like five of those in the league, and they're typically not available. Like, hey, Jamar Chase, if he becomes available, which would be insane, yeah, make that trade right now. All right, let's take a quick pause here on the show, and I'll come back, and I uh, will talk about more of your questions here on the weekly Friday mailbag on Lockdown Panthers. Are you looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories and you need the best tasting protein bar ever built? If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing you won't think that they're good for you. So what makes Built Bars so good, you ask? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real dark chocolate on every single bar and puff. And I'm not sure how they do it, but Built makes the best bars. They taste just like a candy bar, maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy for you. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been right here on the show telling you about how you can order your Built Bars at Built.com, which you can still do to eat their specialty flavors, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of their hip flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, back into the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers. Either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council to get questions in next week. Uh, another wide receiver question here comes from Dan. He says Josh Klein from the uh, right report who we had on um, Tuesday to break down rookie minicamp. He mentioned uh, Jonathan Mingo's effort in college or sloppiness in routes running towards the end of games in college. Are you worried about that or think that will be an issue? I am thinking of Kiffin's offense and how many plays can occur in a game compared to the NFL. Hence the rule changes that are happening at the NCAA level. Josh went on to talk him up afterwards, but that was one knock he had on him. What that sounds like to me is conditioning. Jonathan Mingo is going to have to be in better condition so that towards the end of games, the Panthers can rely on him and that you don't see the slappiness in his route running towards the end of games, and that he's able to go out there and make plays. Like, that clearly to me is not the offensive system. That is a player who did not take good enough care of his body back in college and was not in shape towards the end of games. And also, that is a failure on Ole Miss's strength and conditioning staff not having Jonathan Mingo ready to go during the fall for every game in healthy and 
and, you know, all that. And he missed a ton of time in college. So I don't really know how that's possible. A player who didn't get, like, a ton of usage um, over the course of three seasons could possibly be tired at the end of football games. With the Panthers, I'm sure – they're going to have a nutrition plan for him, just like they're going to have one for Bryce Young and all the rookies that are coming in here and that they'll get him right and ready. But unlike college, there aren't really the kind of conditioning workouts you got to go to. You have OTAs and all that kind of stuff, but you're a professional now. Uh, the NFL teams are expecting you to be in shape when you show up to training camp. There'll be a conditioning test, but after that, it's like, all right, let's go get to work. Let's go figure out how we can put together this offense and defense and find out who is the top of our depth chart and what positions are going to be won? Like that is the focus in training camp. It used to be back in the day when they had like two a days that day, you were getting in shape in training camp. That's not the case anymore. So Jonathan Mingo is going to have to be a professional, going to have to be an adult and get in shape and work out throughout the summer when he's away from the team and be ready to go. So I don't know if that's really something I'm all that concerned about. It just comes down to maturity and take care of your body and, you know, being a professional, which I'm sure he will do. So not overly concerned concerned at all, really, about that. But I think the explanation is uh, he just wasn't in shape. So get in shape. Harvey has two questions. Um, first one, what are my thoughts on the tight end position slash room, and do you see it being productive this year? Well, it can't be um, worse production-wise than it was the last couple of seasons under Matt Rule with Ian Thomas and Tommy Trimble and then Dan Arnold for like, what, three games being the only options there at tight end, it's got to be better. It cannot be league worse like it has been. When you bring in Hayden Hurst, who's a proven player, who's been a really good player, whether he's been in Atlanta or in Baltimore, especially last year in Cincinnati, you've already improved in that manner. When you listen to Thomas Brown, we talked about the other day during our uh, coordinator uh, offseason report, when he was talking about just the use of 12 and 13 personnel, we're going to have two tight ends and three tight ends on the field in the roles that they can play. That first tight end role, that that why, that clearly is what Hayden Hurst can be. Now, what can you get out of your second and third tight ends, your F tight ends? Can you get more out of them than we've gotten the last couple of years? And I think in this offense, they will want to utilize a tight end, hence why they brought in Hayden Hurst. And they had to get somebody, but they will use Hayden Hurst. We've seen... That Ian Thomas can, you know, do some things, not a ton of things, but maybe now getting an opportunity in a system that fits the tight end, we can see the Ian Thomas that we saw in his first two years in Carolina when he had to fill in for an injured Greg Olson who had all those foot injuries. So possibly it's just been the system and not Ian Thomas. And maybe that's why the Panthers have kept him around the last two off seasons when plenty of people have thought that, eh, you can move on from this guy. Maybe he can actually emerge in this offense as an F tight end. Tommy Trimble certainly is a great blocker and has uh, the traits to be someone who down the road maybe can turn into a serviceable pass catching tight end. Is he ever going to be Hayden Hurst? I don't see that being the case. Hayden Hurst was doing that in back in college, and it's a very difficult transition from the NFL to from the college to the NFL at the tight end position to think all of a sudden that a guy who wasn't a focal point in a pass catcher in college is then going to turn into that kind of guy. Like Stephon Sullivan is making the transition from being a college-wide receiver to being a tight end at the NFL level, where he has receiving skills, he has athleticism. Can he do all the other little things that are required out of the position? And he's someone that I find interesting and intriguing here moving forward because he does have the skill set. We've seen Gio Ritchie, who also has shown some things, played fullback the last couple of years, but maybe one of your better pass catching tight ends from the last couple of seasons, considering that there haven't really been great options Anyways, I actually feel good about the room. I, I think Hayden Hurst is a top-end guy. 
you got to feel really good about him. And you have some other players who have potential to actually contribute. The important thing, though, is that you at least have Hurst. You got enough wide receivers that are options. You got Miles um, Sanders as well. So it's not like you need a ton out of anyone outside of Hayden Hurst. But I do think the potential is there this season that they can get way more out of tight end position. And primarily, it's that they have options, even though a lot of them are really it's the same options except for Hayden Hurst. But it's really that they have the want to to incorporate the tight end into the passing game and the offense this upcoming season. Um, his second question, he asks, who are some of the players on the bubble and some that you feel that will not make the team? Not ready to say who will not make the team right now because we have way too much time in between uh, now and the roster cuts. But guys who are clearly on the bubble, we were just talking about wide receivers. Um, Jonathan Mingo, I'm not saying he's not going to be on the team. He'll be on the team. Uh, they didn't drop him in the second round to cut him. But because he's here, that's going to push someone out. And I feel like Shai Smith was already getting pushed out anyways when they signed Amir Burr, but he's someone who would probably be on the wrong side of the bubble and likely to be, be cut. We'll see how it works out down in the end. So Shai Smith, I mean, the tight ends, it depends on how many they want to keep. Do they want to have four? If they have four, it's either Gio Ritchie or Stephon Sullivan. Which one makes the team? So those guys will both be on the roster bubble. They're going to be competing. Michael Jordan, I have talked about the offensive line. You have your top five guys. You got Cam Irving back as your swing tackle. You got Justin McCray, who... Uh, James Campen didn't have him come here to Carolina where he's fallen all around the league to not make the team. So he's on the team. Cade Mays, he'll be on the team. And then who's the other one I was thinking of? Chandler Zavala, who they just drafted. Didn't draft in the fourth round to get rid of him. And you have to also understand, too, like Brady Christensen is someone who wants to be a tackle down the road. So what is his future long-term in Carolina? He's entering year three. If he goes through four years, really three years as a guard and he still wants to play tackle there are teams in the league that will probably give him an opportunity to play tackle at some point in time so maybe he leaves in free agency in a couple seasons and then Zavala would start at left guard and then K Mays is probably your future at right guard as well so you got guys who are probably going to be the future in the interior offensive line that are in your your backups Michael Jordan hasn't been a good starter in the NFL started a bunch of games back in 2021 didn't make a start at all last season that's why I forgot he was even on the roster he's clearly someone who's on the roster bubble probably not gonna make the team Bravion Roy Marquand McCall those are two guys who are gonna have to be battling it out to make it with the interior of the offensive line after bringing in um Deshaun Williams and also bringing in Shai Tuttle you already got Derek Brown so those guys just lost some reps and they felt that they needed to bring in some veterans and better players then trust Roy and McCall. So those guys are on the roster bubble. Itor Gospanos doesn't appear to be a scheme fit. He's doing okay, according to um, Avero, Jero Avero, and incorporate himself into this new scheme. But we can see where that's likely not the best fit for him right now. Then Stam Thomas Oliver, he's made the team the last couple of years because of special teams. And they added, I mean, they have, they've added corner in Eric Rowe. You've seen where he's kind of stood in the depth chart the last couple of years as far as cornerback goes. He's going to have to make the team again uh, by being a special teams ace. So those are the players I'm looking at right now that are on the roster bubble and could potentially not make the team. But again, plenty of time between now and actual roster cutdowns to evaluate those competitions and guys on the roster bubble and the likely uh, cuts heading into camp. All right, we'll take another quick pause, and I'll come back and answer the rest of your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on Locked on Panthers. Hey, guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports 
that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, got two more questions, then we'll get out of here on this weekly Friday mailbag edition of Locked on Panthers. Actually, really enjoyed this question from Jake. He said, we know the two biggest needs, but that's in quotes, um, on the roster are wide receiver and edge. If you could add one Panthers legend in his prime to this roster, would it be Smitty or Julius or someone else entirely? If the entire NFL could do that, who would be the Super Bowl favorite? San Francisco with Montana seems like the obvious choice, but there are some other cool options as well. Well, yeah, I mean, if the Niners, who are going to, looks like, start Brock Purdy again this year, coming off of a pretty significant elbow injury. Now, he did not get Tommy John surgery, but he did have whatever the uh, alternative to that was. They're going to rely on him. And it went well last year, but it's also Kyle Shanahan, his scheme. And I don't know what the ceiling really is with Brock Purdy. He got him to the NFC Championship game, I guess. But that's also a really good roster that has been there. That was what, back-to-back seasons have been there three of the last four years in the NFC Championship games. I don't think it was all Brock Purdy, all that got them there. But credit to him because that, that kid went out there and he, uh, he, fought, he fought his ass off. And it sucks the way things ended last year for him and the 49ers, especially like Championship Sunday. Why? Why did that have to happen then? So you say Panthers are legends. And if you didn't say Panthers legends, the obvious choice is Reggie White. The Panthers need another edge rusher. Reggie White is second on the all-time NFL sacks list, and he played one season here in Carolina. Kevin Green, I would take him as well. Like, Reggie White would be the obvious one because you want to get a generational pass rusher who no one can stop. Um, Well, Reggie White in his prime is is exactly who I would want the Carolina Panthers to have. Now, I believe he played more in like four, um, three schemes, more than three, four, but I think you can find a way to incorporate Reggie White um, into the roster, into the scheme this year in Carolina. Uh, So it's the biggest needs are edge and wide receiver. I probably, because I think the defense is going to be really good anyways, would probably go with Steve Smith because – get you that number one wide receiver. Steve Smith's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Julius Peppers is going to be in the Hall of Fame. So there's not bad options when you look at Panthers legends. But yeah, Steve Smith, he would be the answer for me to get Smitty out there where he's a leader. Now, I know him and Cam didn't get along. I think him and Bryce Young would get along just fine, um, at least, I mean, early on. Like, I think Steve and Cam would probably find out. I just know early on, it was one of those things where it was just like, yo, Steve's fiery, fiery personality and Cam Newton's like, hey, man, like, like, hey, ease up. And, he, and Steve certainly never really warmed up to Jimmy Clausen. But why would he? Because Jimmy Clausen was no good. I would take Steve Smith because if you have a top-tier wide receiver, like, that's not on the roster right now. They do have a top-tier edge rusher, at least someone who's, like, knocking on the door of being that. And I think they can make do 
considering how good this defense should be, I would take Steve Smith for sure when we're looking at Panthers legends. But if you're just talking about any player who ever played here in Carolina, uh, give me Reggie White. Uh, all right. Last question comes from Brody, and I kind of discussed this on yesterday's show when evaluating uh, three position groups, one that I felt like is the strongest, which is the offensive line, one I felt like had a chance to make a major leap, which is wide receiver core, which might surprise some of you or a lot of you. And then the last one that needs to uh, prove something is corner. And Brody asked me, are you optimistic about our cornerback depth? Why not bring back Josh Norman for another go-around? I mean, he almost picked off Tom Brady in his only start. I mean, Josh Norman is how old now? Let's Google it. Josh Norman, age, Google, search. Josh Norman right now is 35 years old. Why not bring back Josh Norman for another go around? Because he's 35 years old. <laughs> what? I, well, Steve, the only reason Josh Norman was here last year is because Steve Wilkes is here. Steve Wilkes is no longer here. He's in San Francisco. No one from the good old days is here so Josh Norman will not be back. It doesn't make any sense for the Panthers. And it was an emergency situation where you lost JC, you had already lost Dante, and you didn't trust the guys that you had and Keith Taylor and CJ Henderson. So why not? You're right there with a chance to go to the playoffs. Bring back Josh Norman. And does Josh Norman want to play a full 17-game season in the NFL? I, I, I don't know. I, it's very easy for him to step away from what he was doing in – pseudo-retirement, uh, working at his family's coffee shop as a barista. It's much easier to do that when you're going to only play two games than to come off the street, and he's not even there right now, and to come into workouts and to get ready to go and then play 17 games. Like, that's just – that's a ton. And I just don't think that would make a lot of sense to bring back Josh Norman. Like, there's maybe other, other veterans out there, and they brought in Eric Rowe that they could go target still – but a 35-year-old Josh Norman, I don't really see what that accomplishes at all. Now, as far as the cornerback depth, am I optimistic about it? It's hard to be optimistic considering what I've seen. Um, I haven't seen anything uh, from C.J. Henderson that I like. I haven't seen much from Keith Taylor that I like. I, I, I like the idea of Eric Rowe and having a veteran presence in here uh, to back up J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson, so I do like that. But aside from that... I just – what do you want me to say? <laughs> yes, because it's hard to say yes based off of the tape, what we've watched the last couple of seasons. My hope is new coaches, new scheme, new results. That's my hope. But hope is not a plan. And I am not totally uh, confident that things will play out to where C.J. Henderson it finally clicks for him. Same thing with Keith Taylor, where expectations are far different. Fifth-round pick, Keith Taylor struggles, like whatever. That's what happens when you have to throw out a fifth-round pick um, later on in the season. C.J. Henderson, really no excuse for as bad as he's been, considering where he was drafted and really the position he's been put in here in Carolina. So we'll see how it goes. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted again by yours truly, Julian Council. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure again to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where I'll be back next Friday to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions in. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding. 
And I'll talk to y'all on Monday where Vash Tyhurt of Carolina Blitz will be here on the show to break down the Panthers and look ahead to OTAs, which start on Tuesday afternoon. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.